first round, get out there, get out and support your teams. So close to my heart, I am a Brizzy Lions fan. I love the Giants, but I might not love them next year. Maybe we should start the best mole award then. Welcome to the Coat Hanger on 2SER 107.3. We acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands from which we come to you today, and we pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging. The Coat Hanger is a show and podcast where we tackle women's footy with a Sydney view. I'm your host, Fiona Lamb, and I'm joined by... Emma Phillips. Tracy Kick. Nat Morgan. And Coach Kiwi. Here at the Coat Hanger, we acknowledge and celebrate the contribution of our friend, player and teammate, Cinder Barclay, to AFL here, women's AFL here in WA, New South Wales, and across the AFLW. It's Trace. In today's pod, we are going to talk about coaching and player changes for season five. We're going to cover the AFL lack of promotion issues with membership and ticketing. We'll have a halftime huddle. And then after that, for the third quarter, we want to talk about who to watch in season five. And for the final quarter, we're going to talk about where are the Giants? First quarter, let's talk about coaching and player changes. Start with coaching. Kiwi, did you want to jump in and have a chat? Um, just, yeah, there's been obviously a few changes and um, we've got some new coaches come on board female football and have come straight in at AFLW level um, at Richmond, North and West Coast Eagles. So um, really short uh, preparation time for them, let alone adjusting to coaching um, a different game because it is a different game. We've got very different rules, different size footy. It floats in the wind different. And the way the players move is uh, fairly different to what they've been uh, used to. So it'll be interesting to see how those three teams go for sure. And so what are the roles they've come from? Uh, the Richmond coach has come from, uh, a, I think he's a development coach through the men's program. So he uh, sounds like he's come across and done a couple of the odd sessions but hasn't been involved with the AFLW program at Richmond. Uh, So um, so now he's taken that over after they let Tommy go. Yeah, right. And so isn't it correct that there are some movements in clubs where the men who've been moved into these coaching positions have held administrative positions and then they're Uh, moving into assistant coaching role yeah well the, the guy at north um he was more of a list manager so he was employed full-time in the management of players through the afl program but because of covid and the way the soft cat got reduced to keep him employed his role has now been split across doing that with the afl program but also doing it with aflw program as they let go their coach scotty gowan so um, so, yeah, so his role now at the club is just split between the two. That's correct, that's correct Kiwi. So he's got a role, role as a pro, Darren Crocker has a role as a pro scout at North and was moved across to the AFLW program. So he's juggling both at North Melbourne. Whereas, of course, as you said, Scott Gowans was in that role entirely dedicated to the AFLW program. It's interesting, isn't it? Because I think um, with the, uh, obviously budgetary issues of the AFL men's program playing out of hubs um, and some of the challenges post-COVID, 
that clubs are looking from within in, in terms of how they can juggle their resources, um, which is a shame because it, it maybe reduces opportunities for people to come into those programs. Yeah. I mean, we do understand budgets have to be balanced, but uh, and, and it's taken a big, they've all taken a big hit. It's but, just but, the implications for the women's game that is a concern. Yeah, that was just the point I was going to make. I think, Faye, that, you know, we, of course, we all have to, we've all had to shift and change in COVID times and accept budgetary constraints in all sorts of ways, football or otherwise. But I do worry that it's being hit, the women's game is being hit much more than the men's game, you know. And I made the point, I think I might have actually written to North Melbourne and said, well, look, that's fine if you're going to do that with Gowans and move a part-time coach in who's juggling a couple of roles. But are you doing the same in the men's department? And, of course, you just don't see that. Yeah. Did you get a response? No. <laughs> uh, so we also saw Michelle Cowan moved. Yeah, I, I think um, I think the Michelle Cowan one is uh, partly her choice, or mostly, probably mostly her choice. I think she just sees that as an area where she can extend her own development. Um, mm. So she is still a Fords Coast at Eagles. And she's, oh, she um, yeah, she is still doing oh, forward. See, yeah. I don't think I either didn't read properly, or I think maybe I may not be the only one confused by that. I assumed she was losing that position to go into this administrative position. Yeah, I'm pretty certain she is still looking after forwards. I think she's got an assistant at forwards or somebody else she's developing as a forwards coach as well. But she just saw an opportunity to take on, <clears throat> excuse me, the operations role. Um, to grow her own uh, ability, I guess, in the football world. Um, and the West Coast head coach, he's also come from an AFL program, but their previous coach, um, was it Luke Dwyer, I think was his name, he he left um, just to change his career path. So it wasn't so much a budgetary um, COVID um, over there. It was just he's just changed his mind and where he wants to um, gain his income from. And so he he left, and so they replaced him with um, Daniel Pratt. I think it, it just came as a bit of a shock to people because that was after one year of a two-year contract, wasn't it? Yeah, coaching takes its toll. It's a tough job. <laughs> uh, and so, Kiwi, can you talk to us about, I know you said you're not at North, but you are at Collingwood VFLW. But I don't want to talk about VFLW right now, but uh, the changes with AFLW for Collingwood? Yeah, look, um, obviously we are now running the VFLW program under the AFLW program. So we're lucky at Collingwood in that everything aligns. So what the AFL are doing, we're doing at VFL level. So all our trainings are recorded, um, same strength conditioning coaches running both teams um, and our structures and on-field structures all the same so that when the players move up and down, because um, if you're not selected for AFLW level, you come down and you play VFL that week. So they're coming down, they're playing the same structures and um, hopefully our VFL players are lifting up and playing a similar kind of quality of football. So, yeah, all our contracts have been signed and um, locked in and uh, we'll kick off in five weeks. So we're looking forward to it. Would that be happening across the other AFLW teams based in Victoria? Um, there's three independent teams, so I think they will struggle in some of that modelling. I know Port have linked up with Richmond, 
So there's a little bit of um, help going that way. Uh, but I think it comes down to um, the clubs, how much importance they put on the VFLW program. So Collingwood this year has just decided it is very important. And after we won the premiership, we're defending premiers from 2019. Um, they've just decided it's something. Because that premiership that we won at VFL level in 2019, without a doubt, carried the AFLW team into a really solid 2020 season. So uh, yeah. so Steve has just looked at that as, as something that's really crucial to the development of his team. And um, so that's why the two squads work together. So, um, so yeah, so that's, that's why we do it. I don't know that all clubs do it, but you've also got like Hawthorne who aren't linked to anyone. Um, so, yeah, there's a few other clubs around. but Super quickly, just thinking as Kiwi was talking, how different that is to what's happening in Sydney with regards to that second-tier women's football. You know, it's nothing new. We've talked about this many times before, but as the VWFL becomes uh, VFLW, <laughs> flourishes and really aligns itself with the practices of AFLW, we're missing out here, aren't we, in extraordinary ways, really? Yep. That's exactly what was going through my mind. That's a great program if they're if they're running in parallel, but um, Sydney will be so much better behind. I feel like Sydney's well behind. You know, it's yeah. been increasingly being left behind. Yeah, yeah. You know, when I was up there last year, I just got to see what Sydney was up to, and it, it's heartbreaking how far behind they're becoming. And I don't even know if I've got the answers, but, yeah, something has to change massively. Until, until that development happens, they can't fit them in and the development seems to have been delayed. And so it is, it's years away before Sydney will have a women's team for sure. Absolutely. And even the players at under 18, under 15, they're um, probably not even getting the coaching or the quality games that the kids in Victoria or South Australia or even WA are getting, so... Um, hard to come against them when you're going to get drafted. Yeah. Oh, dear. <laughs> now, I we do need to move on, but we were going to talk about a few player changes. So I'll just mention briefly that Yvonne Bonner uh, was not returning for this season because, and it, was, it wasn't because of anything to do with her, it was to do with her husband's work visa, from what I understand. So that prevented her from coming back for season five. And in her place, Brid Stack came from Gaelic football. Erin Todd actually replaced Von Bonner on the list. So Erin okay. Todd came from the Magpies, who's an ex-basketballer. Um, so Brid Stack, I think, was recruited as part of the draft. Okay, so they were actually going to have three Gaelic players. And that was on yep. Cora's recommendation. She's right. been naming her for years, apparently, saying you've got to get her, but she wasn't willing to sort of give up the Gaelic and move across until this year, apparently. Oh, God. And now, of course, Bridstack has had quite a serious injury in the practice game. She had a stack. <laughs> I did. I did think that was going to be the one unfortunate name. Um, interesting. So, so for those who who haven't been watching ABC News, where this featured, which I was impressed with, um, Ebony Marinoff is appealing her penalty, which was a three-match suspension, and won't hear, won't, won't get to be heard again until Thursday, which is the first day of, of season five. Adelaide aren't playing on Thursday, but it's not long to um, prepare. I mean, from what we saw, from what we saw when the vision was made available, it did seem as if it was a free kick. <laughs> that, 
that it didn't need to have have that massive penalty. And again, we seem to be seeing a penalty based on the injury sustained, not on the actual action on the um, on field. Yep, <clears throat> I couldn't agree more with you, Fee. You know, it's at the risk of sounding hyperbolic. I think that was one of the poorest tribunal decisions I've ever seen across AFLW and AFLM. It's it's really difficult to comprehend how she could be up for three weeks suspension, which is the equivalent of a third of the season. So if you put that in AFLM terms, that's eight matches. When actually it almost looks like Bridstack initiated the contact. If you look at it carefully, mm -hmm. she with her head, she mm -hmm. led with her head. And that, that's something else I think that is that needs to be discussed here is how much of a duty of care do the Giants have to teach the women that are coming from outside of AFL things like how to you know how to sort of fall into a tackle how to pick up a ball off the ground how to tackle and roll and these are the sort of nuances of the game that get learned over a period of time you know there's nothing against the irish girls but tackling is not in their game you know you get, when the ball's on the ground you get taught to shift with your you sort of your bum and your side so you cop the hit on the hip not on the head so it's a very unfortunate thing for stack to have suffered i really feel for her um but she did lead with her head and marinoff was there wondering what had happened <laughs> Very odd decision indeed. And Tracy will be able to say too, it, when you see new players come into the game, it's kind of, you kind of nickname it a rookie era is, you know, it's what new people tend to do. So, yeah, absolutely. It's just highlights the lack of um, her experience in the game in the way she's used her body and um, with an unfortunate outcome. Yep. And I think that's on the Giants. I think they really need to make sure that those players are ready for such hits. Yeah, and so Marinoff gets penalised for it, which is even more unfortunate and a bit of a blight in the game. I think we all feel as if we know Noffy well enough to know that um, she's... We, we know some players who do have white line fever and she's not one that we put in that in that basket. So it's it's shocking for a whole lot of reasons. And, of course, we wish Brid all the best and we're very pleased to hear that it's... Um, it's an injury from which she expects to recover. It will just be a very long recovery, which pretty much writes off most, if not all, of this season, which is really disappointing. But we are going to call the quarter there and move on to the second quarter. And let's talk about uh, promotion membership. This season, there's ticketing. Yes, you have to pay to attend matches this year and there great. was a flurry of excitement on on social media today and the Richmond Brisbane game uh sold out in just over an hour I'm not sure how many tickets were actually available but it's still pretty exciting two and a half thousand okay still a chunk to go and watch the wooden spooners versus an out-of-town team really oh. <laughs> telling it like it is Kiwi See, um, I'm really pleased to see ticketing. Uh, it, it puzzles me that, and I understand, I understand the reasons why, but it's still kind of prohibitive that you can't buy a ticket on the day and turn up. I feel like going to the footy today, it's a beautiful day. I want to take myself, partner, kids, whatever. Um, but I really welcome the ticketing. I mean, we'd been calling right from the outset. If only there'd been a donation, a gold coin donation or $5 in the tub or whatever. And I know that there's lots of logistics around that and ticketing is the best way to manage it. Um, but um, there does seem to be, Natty, I think you've been calling for the lack of promotion and especially um, for in preparation of, of round one. 
Oh, look, totally. I think with the Giants having to leave town weeks ago now, that that has probably created a bit of the, the crickets up here in Sydney. Um, but even us with our podcast, looking forward to the season, excited, we're the most passionate group. I feel, though, that it's still a bit like, oh, is it starting Thursday? Like, it's almost like... It's here and we don't even know about it. I have to sort of sign into Fox Footy and renew my package to get the telecast up and things like that. But I had to go hunting to find out who was the broadcaster and what games people were going to be, you know, showing. It's um, It's been a slow start. I just really hope that once it kicks off, there'll be a real run of interest and promotion and, you know that there'll be love for the game again and we'll all get excited. So hopefully that will happen. I did try and become a member because there'll be no Giants games in Sydney, certainly not at this stage. The Bankstown games, uh, Blacktown games are all going to be moved due to the COVID and the borders and things like that. So I thought I'll do the right thing. Instead of paying for a ticket at, you know, for the games, I'll get my membership to the Giants. But tell you what, it was, it was hard work. They wanted, they couldn't, you couldn't just get a one-off one yearly fee. They wanted to roll it over year after year after year. Now, I don't want to commit to that. I love the Giants, but I might not love them next year. So I just thought it was a bit hard. I tried a second time online. It's a, it's like, just want to roll over your membership. I know it's a sort of, not a money grab. That'd be a bit harsh. You're just making it easy for you to become a member year after year, but I didn't want that. And it was just very tricky. So as a result, I still haven't got my $71. Um, I can tell you from this household, there's memberships to four football clubs. And um, it's really different what kind of um, interaction they've had with their clubs. Uh, The North has drip-fed information, but their member packet went out ages ago. Um, Gold Coast, they've told them how to buy tickets, but no member pack yet. Um, Carlton member packs out well before Christmas. And they've told them you can buy five tickets with your membership, do this, blah, blah. Um, and who's the other one? Geelong, I think. St Kilda, maybe the other one. Um, and again, no information and no no member pack. So, really interesting how different clubs are are looking after their members. I reckon. Um, but also, there's next to no promo down here. I haven't seen it on the bus stops or billboards or anything like other seasons. And admittedly, I haven't been driving as much, but I've asked others, and they've also not seen it either. So, um, I don't know if COVID's sort of knocked them a bit and, and they're afraid to promote it. Yeah. Yeah. Or it's knocked their budget. Kiwi. Yeah. I mean, that's oh, that's yeah. the other likely scenario. There's probably less money going into it because I remember seeing um, the games advertised on the buses in Sydney. I can't remember last season or the season before. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I remember Mo Hope being on the bus in Sydney and I was thinking, who in Sydney's going to know who Mo Hope is? <laughs> Everyone in Melbourne would, but, um, right. yeah, it's... But there was lots of promotion in I saw in shopping centres, giant sized billboards in shopping centres and in the train stations in the city there was um, you know, giants promotion sort of left, right and centre a couple of years ago. There's absolutely nothing at the moment. I think there might be zero marketing budget yeah. going yeah. into supporting the giants to live and in so Adelaide. I think, I think they're relying on good folk like us to promote it, which we will do, but we're also doing somebody else's job for them. Free. Well, the Giants have um, Sydney Airport as one of their sponsors, so they used to have a huge, big billboard down there. Not that many people are flying, but I, I wonder if that one's still up. Mm. <laughs> Maybe it's now. We're not there to see it. Let's call that quarter. Halftime huddle. What's hot in the huddle? Well, Margaret Court has already gotten Australia's Day honour. She's 
she's got an Order of Australia and now it's being upgraded to a Companion of the Order of Australia. Now, I want to talk about this because of her controversial comments about LGBTQI folk. And given that we have a league-wide Pride round this season, uh, and AFLW recognises the importance of inclusion and representation, uh, I want to register my opposition to this award, to this upgrade. M. Yeah, look, I'm completely with you on that, Fee. Um, I just wanted to actually read one of Dan Andrews's tweets. You've probably come across it, but I'm just going to quote him here. He says, I don't want to give this person's disgraceful, bigoted views any oxygen, but when others insist on rewarding them with this country's highest honour, I think it's worth saying again, Grand Slam wins don't give you some right to spew hatred and create division. Nothing does. And I think that really, I'm very glad that, you know, not too many politicians will come out in such strong stance with, with regards to um, the kinds of issues we're dealing with here. Um, but I, I'm with him. I'm, he said it beautifully. I think also it's worth noting that, you know, in the AFLW community, we have a lot of queer identifying people and it's worth us recording our opposition to this award given to Margaret Court. So I applaud you for raising that fee. There was a politician who was going for re-election a year ago who referred to referred to the AFLW as lesbian separatists. And so <laughs> Rebecca Hain and and Nikki Clare, who are um, very vocal on Twitter, have taken up the mantle and I think they've got a they've got a group called <laughs> Lesbian Separatists. They're starting a band called the Lesbian Separatists and Becca Haynes over in Louisiana. I think we're going to have to get her in touch, maybe get her on the show. Uh, but so some people do <laughs> are, are really finding ways to point figures and, and name call and then, then other There's things. There's a song in that feed. I reckon there is. <laughs> Tracy, you had, Tracy, you had a different take on this in terms of the um, criteria. Could you share your thoughts? Yeah, look, um, I absolutely abhor the comments of um, Margaret Court uh, to our community um, and don't support, you know, very, very strongly didn't support the, you know, the naming of Margaret Court Arena um, for the very reasons that um, Em just explained. And that is that there are a lot of queer identifying people who go to tennis, who sit at the tennis, who play tennis and in the AFLW similarly. However, um, trying to be a bit of a pragmatist and it's one that really didn't get me going which surprised me but the criteria I, I read back over and over the criteria and I think the fault is with the criteria because you don't actually have to be an exceptional person um, to be receive one of these awards it's based on uh, achievement and I can't deny that Margaret Court was a an exceptional tennis player in her time now I'm not I'm not suggesting either way that um that I support her because I don't support her. But is it time that these awards have different criteria that matches the times that we're in? I don't think the criteria, you know, there's a, a, a proper panel with criteria doing the assessment. And unless you're in one of those panels and you're scoring against those criteria, it's very hard to say. If there's a criteria that says that they, uh, you know, don't um, discriminate or don't, uh, or or act in ways that are contrary to kind of the beliefs that Australia holds dear, which, you know, we've got a prime minister who doesn't, who, who wanted to challenge that the first fleet had a tough time, you know, coming to Australia, you know, like, so it, I guess in the context of all of that, I'm saying whatever, like what's an AO anyway. 
like I said before, she is a great tennis player, but she's not a great person. And I think that reflects her attitude just reflects so poorly on the, you know, the young gay kids out there that I think that uh, she shouldn't be rewarded for being in my terminology, a mole. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and Australia Day does come on a Tuesday, so we could say see you next Tuesday, Margaret. Let's move on. Maybe we should start the Best Mole Award then. Yeah, she there. Could do like the Ernie's. They do up here for, you know, politicians and media. Yeah, could be, yeah, biggest (laughs) mole of the year. I might award it at the end of the season. I'll keep an eye out for what goes down. (laughs) One thing to finish off, the Governor-General was quoted in the in the media this week saying that in the nominations, women are very, very much underrepresented. Men nominate men for these awards. So we need to become more aware of the award. We need to become more aware of the due dates for the nominations and the criteria. And the very fantastic and wonderful Magda Zubansky, who has an Order of Australia, uh, shared that and she she wanted people to become aware of the fact that we actually have to have to nominate women for these awards. So and can we uh, nominate the lesbian separatists, Rebecca Hayne and Nikki Kerr? Just a question. Check the criteria and get back oh. to us, Kiwi. Moving or the on. Coat hanger radio show. <laughs> well, no, all, exactly. all, joke, all jokes aside, the women on this pod uh, have done a lot for for women's AFL in various circles. Nat, you were awarded, um, you were acknowledged last year or the year before in the Sydney AFL Awards. Life member. Life member. Trace and Kiwi, you've both done a great deal in Sydney AFL, so we need to get you two nominated for that. We need to look around for these awards that are available, and we do actually have to search because they're not well um, promoted, uh, but the people who hold these awards for, especially where, where, where it's uh, based on, women's sport or women in these categories desperately want more women to be nominated. So we just have to do a little bit more homework to um, to make that happen. Let's move on to the third quarter. Who are we watching this year? Nat. Yeah, look, my highlight or the team I'm going to be looking at this year is Richmond, actually. They were duds last year. You know, the big bells and whistles, here we come with our senior couple of players but I think this year they'll do better new coach couple of big signings all the Sarahs we've got uh, the two from Collingwood Sarah Dargan and Sarah Darcy and we also then got Sarah Hoskins from Carlton um, so like those players will be doing pretty well but my one I'm going to be watching is Sabs Sabrina I was never a fan of hers I've been only disappointed for the last two seasons with her but I watched her on uh, SAS the, you know, the reality TV show, and my whole opinion of her was changed. That doesn't normally happen in the uh, off-season where you change your opinion, but she worked so hard. She was so dedicated and so much tougher than what I thought, and as a result, she actually dropped a good five kilos, I reckon, on that show, and looking at the photos online, she looks so trim and so fit that I reckon she's going to have an awesome year, and that will carry... Some of the other players on her shoulders too. I think I think I'm going to be really watching closely. So I'm looking forward to seeing what Sabs can do. Em, who are you watching? I just wanted before I get to that very quickly, Nat, say I have put Richmond as my wooden spooner again. Can I just say? I didn't say they were going to win. I just said I'm looking forward to <laughs> see what I can do. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think they'll be extremely watchable for how bad they'll be again. Dare I say? And I know that's going to be controversial in quarters, 
but I think they're still so top heavy and so reliant on a few absolute superstars. And they just haven't yet got enough underneath them that's that's going to carry into decent wins, you know, with and also with so many other sides around them bolstering as well. So, you know, watch that space. I might this might get played back towards the end of the season with people pointing fingers and laughing at me. I'll be quite <laughs> that, but anyway. All right, misery guts. Yeah, I mean, look, Who I'm, are you positive about? I'm obviously watching North, you know, I mean, they're my team, but I think um, the, the, the bookies have got North as favourites for the flag. I'm not so sure. I think Freo would be creeping up there. Um, and I think Geelong actually might be a side to watch. I think Geelong were probably pretty disappointed in themselves last year. And I really reckon that their, their mindset will be very different this year and that you'll see something very interesting from the Cats. Um yeah, I look, as I mentioned, North, we'll see how Crocker goes. The other thing that I was thinking just more broadly outside of the teams themselves is I reckon we'll start to see a real rise in things like disposal efficiency and just the speed of the game. I think we've gotten to that point where a lot of those players, you know, they're still semi-professional, but some of those over years now have been working extremely hard on their fitness, on their strength and their agility. And I think it's a, there'll be a big shift. Watch watch that. There's disposal, disposal efficiency especially and just the speed of it. Trace? Yeah, thanks, V. Um, I'm interested in watching the Queensland teams again. Um, one, because they're close to my heart. I am a Brizzy Lions fan. Um, but secondly, the I'll be interested to see how the Gold Coast go in their second season. They were so impressive at times. Um, and some, some young stars really started to emerge. And I just wonder how they'll go. I think of the new teams, they were by far the best um, and whether or not they can continue. They were taking it to every team in their games um, last year, whether they won or lost, they were never really thrashed. Um, so I'm watching the Queensland teams. I think they're going to, it's going to be interesting. I hope my Brizzy Lions do well. Um, they've had a bit, bit more settled year the year before they were very disrupted with the Gold Coast starting up because they lost so many players. So yeah, Lots to, lots to. I'm looking forward to uh, tuning in this weekend to have a look at the games. I didn't, didn't see any practice games. I don't think that any were streamed, were they? No, they weren't, which is mind-boggling because a lot of people did want to watch and could stream them in previous years. So I, I don't understand that. And uh, for those who are really interested in pursuing that subject, please look up Mr. Peter Holden on Twitter because he had a long thread explaining just how easy it is for that streaming to happen and it costs nothing and uh, it would have actually helped to promote this season and get some excitement going but they didn't let's move on to Kiwi who are you watching this season um well I think I think Freya are going to just continue on where they stop and I think Adelaide um Adelaide's list is they've only now got one player on their list without any AFLW experience. So um, they've got Chelsea back, they've got Aaron back. Um, so I think they're going to continue to raise the bar as they generally do down in South Australia. But I think the team to watch this year probably, as much as I know Collingwood are going to do good, just because I can see on the inside there's really good culture there, but Carlton. I reckon Carlton played some good football over the last couple of years and probably haven't done it consistently for four quarters and um, perhaps let other teams get back into the game. But they've, you know, they've recruited Elise O'Day and Maddie Guerin from uh, Melbourne Demons, and they were, I was with those girls when I was at Darabin, and they're talented players. Elise has been around for quite some time and um, been a captain at the Ds. So I reckon that's just going to bolster that midfield. 
that um, Carlton have got and, you know, they've got some outstanding forwards that, you know, these girls can feed and get some score on the board and, you know, with their strength through the back line. I think Carlton are um, going to sit a few teams back on their butts this year. And sorry, uh, Nat, I think – well, not sorry, Nat, but I agree with M. Tigers with the wooden spoons. I think I just out of all the teams, I think others have got more growth and I don't think Tigers can go above them in the growth stake. Um, and I think Giants will hold it together despite the adversity they've come through. Um, so, yeah, Tigers at the bottom, sorry. Yeah, okay. no, I, I reckon they probably could end up down the bottom. Um, but I just thought that at least I'll have some reason to watch them this year. There was none last year, no reasons whatsoever last season. So we'll see how it all goes. But St Kilda, they'll be the ones I'm really keen um, on. I think under Peter Searle and, you know, what they're doing down there, they'll be exciting. Ashford Fair, as always, Nat. Uh, well, I listened again to the um, interview we did with Lou Stevenson and Alicia Eva right after they lost the, the final to Melbourne just before we recorded this pod. And so they were really hungry after that disappointment. So I want to see the Giants do well. Will they do well? I don't know. Let's find out. And let's move on to the fourth quarter, which we're saying is, where are the Giants? So that was a nice segue. <laughs> That's right. Well, where are the Giants? Well, first of all, they all had to move to Albury because uh, Albury is on the border with Victoria and they were there for two weeks. And then they moved from there to Adelaide and Adelaide is their home now. Yes, they're the Greater Western Sydney Adelaide Giants. So well, they're out of Adelaide is Greater Western Sydney, isn't it? <laughs> if you go far yeah. enough. Yeah, it's just past Canberra, just over that hill. I, do you know, I always thought it was south, but it's actually not. It's pretty much due west from Sydney. So, yes, I think you're right, Nat. I think I think that's the, that explains everything. So well, they're the due west in yeah. And did you see the girls all hung out or had a little day trip, I think it must have been, from Albury out to Holbrook where uh, Elise Parker has a farm and they were hanging out in their flannelette shirts doing the country look. <laughs> I think the town sold out of flannels that week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was nice that they could, you know, maybe touch base with where Elise's from and uh, I think her mum must have done a lot cooking for days. Did you see how much food there is for 30 footballers and, you know, their hanger honorers? So, uh, yeah, it was nice to see them having a bit of social fun rather than that sort of tight, bubbling thing they had to do in Albury. Interestingly, Nat, they're um, now in Adelaide and um, I saw some snaps of them visiting a couple of the wineries in the Adelaide Hills, but, of course, there's severe <laughs> fires there again. Oh, um, yeah. So they're probably breathing in plenty of smoke in Adelaide at the moment, so it's certainly not Just been like an ideal times. preparation. Yeah. Scary like pre-COVID times. Yeah. 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 So it will be interesting to see how they cope there. The AFL... Uh, is AFL is compensating those players who have who have lost income because of the move. This is um, interesting, controversial too. What if my employer just said, "Oh, sorry, we give you enough time off to do this footy thing anyway. See you later." Uh, so I really hope that the AFL are um, uh, negotiating with those employers and, and trying to smooth things over for them. It all seems to be a little bit conf confidential, um, 
what the compensation is, but I think that this, it's great that they are able to hub. Hub is now a verb, <laughs> thanks, thanks to footy. Uh, so it's great that, that they can do that. And it just raises this issue again about part-time um, footballers who have to subsidise their their uh, income with, with other jobs. Nat? You know, I was just going to say, like, as a sole trader running my own business, if I employed one of those girls, you're already can only – they've got to work during certain hours at certain times and you're probably allowed for that and they come and go and th- – like – if they then suddenly said, sorry, got to go tomorrow, you've booked in work, you've booked in jobs, you've got to, you know, I can so understand that some employers have to let them go because it's their own business that's going to suffer. I know the girls, it's their business for three months of the year or whatever, but I can so understand that a, a company or a business, whether you're a bakery or delivery or whatever it is, that you need your workers turning up when you've slotted them in. Often that schedules a couple of weeks in advance or you've booked jobs and materials based on the fact that you've got a couple of tradies working for you. So I can understand. Sometimes I think it's like, oh, the bloody employees have sacked them. I can, from my point of view, sometimes you have to. You can't, you have to rely on your workers. And so the system's a bit broken at the moment. Yep. Trace? I just wanted to reflect on um, when when I was coaching at GWS, I was working a contract job and... um, even though right now, post-COVID, some of that work could have been done from home and potentially from there, I would have lost my income and earned 6K coaching. But like, how are they going to subsidise the, the, not just the players, but the support staff and the coaches who don't work for the club on a full-time basis? Um, and also, how does that compensation even relate to what you might do for work? Because the variance of what people would, there'll be some professional people and there'll be some casual workers in amongst those and some students, I'd imagine. So, you know, the variance of what people would earn and what percentage of that they're actually being compensated would be really interesting. We might have to dig it a little deeper. Yeah, I think so. Kiwi? Um, like like Nat said, the flip side of what Nat said is someone like Pippa Smith, who's a personal trainer, so she runs her own business. So while she's away, her clients will still be wanting to be trained. They're going to go and find another person to train them. So effectively, I think by the time, I mean, at the moment, I think they're at least away seven weeks by the time they go to Perth and then back to play West Coast in Adelaide. That's a massive chunk. She's got to then come back and rebuild her own business. So, um, you know, yeah, how do you put a price on that kind of compensation too? Couldn't agree more. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with the Giants. Let's see what we can find out about that uh, compensation. But we're going to wrap up for this pre-season pod. We will be back in your ears on Monday at 7pm. We'll be on 2SER. And you'll be able to catch our pod every week as well. We will continue having our fifth quarter. Uh, some of our listeners said, oh, my goodness, the Outer Sanctum have stolen your fifth quarter. And we're, we're, like, we're, we're generous around here. We're not competing for airspace. We're all contributing our own take on the game. And we're bringing you a Sydney view, as we always say. So, yeah. Fifth quarter's for everybody. <laughs> nice, Em. Fifth quarter's for everybody. You get quarters for all quarter, my friends. And you get a fifth quarter. Everybody gets a fifth quarter. All right, so catch the Giants versus Frio game on Sunday the 31st of January at 4.10pm. You can catch that on Foxtel. You can catch that on the AFL Women's app. And I believe it might be on 7Mate as well. 
but I might be lying about that. No, true. Just check that. <laughs> great. Uh, so it'll be, it'll be great to end the weekend of footy um, on Sunday with the Sydney game. The first game, of course, is the old rivals, the old foes, Magpies versus Blues at Prince's Park. Kiwi, are you going to that game? Yep, play 13 on Thursday night, play five at St Kilda on Friday night and somewhere at GMHBA Stadium on Sunday, somewhere. Right. You know, incidentally, that Geelong North game was the last game that had supporters watching last year and Mel Hickey's last game. So nice that it's come up first round, get out there, get out and support your teams because that was a real surreal feeling being at that match. The reason I was laughing about Bay 13 is that that was the equivalent of the hill. The MCG has a Bay 13 that used to be where all the yeah, balls happened. <laughs> and it's like the hill in Sydney at the SCG. Both of these have been concreted over and gentrified now. But um, I think it's pretty funny that you're in Bay 13 at Prince's Park. Try not to uh, get into too much trouble. Anything can happen. <laughs> This is the Coat Hanger Football Radio Show. Catch us every Monday at 7pm on 2SER 107.3 and on our podcast with extra content where you usually get your podcasts. Follow us on socials, Twitter, Insta and Facebook. And for the best Harbour views in women's footy, tune in to, to the, the Coat Hanger. Hanger.